0: Welcome to The Quiet Life. I'm Michael James Wong, meditation teacher, author, founder of Just Breathe, and your host for this podcast. Now it goes without saying that we're living in an uncertain time where everything is changing rapidly. We're living day to day, unsure of the road that lies ahead. And things are getting a little or a lot quieter. So join me on this podcast as we speak to experts and inspiring voices about home practices for your mind and mental health during this time of uncertainty. Listen in as they share their thoughts and daily practices you can do wherever you are. Welcome to The Quiet Life. Welcome to this episode of The Quiet Life. I'm your host, as always, Michael James Wong. And today on the podcast, we have a really interesting uh, conversation with Connor Swenson, Now, Connor is a speaker, facilitator, writer, and coach uh, who helps teams develop their focus, increase effectiveness, and ultimately sustain high performance. Now, drawing on seven years of experience at Google where he taught internal programs on productivity, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence, he now shares that knowledge with businesses and entrepreneurs around the world and believes that we all need to rethink our definition of productivity to really create happier and healthier organizations. Hey, Connor, how's it going?
1: It's going very well. Thanks for having me, Michael.
0: Great, man. Well, I mean, you know, you and I know each other really well. And, you know, a part of a lot of these conversations that are going on around in in our kind of, let's say, world of uncertainty. You know, this whole episode for me is really interesting and exciting because we get to kind of dive deeper into maybe both sides of your world, which comes from that sense of uh, business, productivity, uh, ways that we can be really um, impactful Um, with our work, but at the same time, the elements of mindfulness and meditation and uh, emotional intelligence that that you kind of um, teach and coach from. But I thought for people who aren't familiar with your work or haven't come across you before, can you maybe just give us a a little bit about your journey and those two worlds and kind of how they got you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, of course. It was a long and and, and winding road, no perfect story. But uh, I joined Google back in 2013 and sort of a few years into working there the pace of of work and sort of the a lot of high caliber people there much smarter than me much more driven much more motivated and i started to see that this sort of relentless go 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 attitude yeah, it wasn't sustainable i started to notice so many more uh people that were close to me and just across the business struggling um with sort of mental and emotional issues and it really sort of piqued my interest to think, okay, how can we create organizations and create teams that enable you know, individuals to do their best work, but also to, to live a happy and fulfilling life. And I moved to London a few years ago and the last uh, two or three years before I left Google in January, I was working with startups all across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And that's where I saw this issue in full focus. And when you go into the world of of small business owners and entrepreneurs and startups, you see that that pace is increased and magnified. And it's, it's no secret that in in that world, kind of the issues that people are facing uh, around their sort of mental, emotional, physical health are are big. And so I, I continued learning and started teaching and started working with startups uh, through Google and then outside of Google. And I found that, you know, to me, we're really thinking about productivity in, in the wrong way. I think we're obsessed with this do more culture. And some of the practices like mindfulness and meditation have encouraged me to sort of step back and think, okay, if we slow down and realize we can only do so much, it allows us to really focus and, and become more aware of our habits and, and how they shape our work. And so I, I started teaching that and I've, I've had a, a lot of interesting conversations and people seeing that that's a refreshing way to look at this. And so now I've I've, I've left and I spend most of my time with, uh, with businesses and teams, a little bit with individuals, trying to get people to step off of the busy bandwagon and to see that by actually slowing down and doing less, you achieve much more of, of what matters. And so that's kind of my story in a nutshell.
0: Amazing. Now, can we just track back just for a moment to kind of your Google days? And I obviously remember growing up um, in Los Angeles, kind of always uh, being fascinated by, um, you know, the business and the culture of places like uh, Google and other kind of, you know, big tech companies who, who were always kind of references places that had great work culture that had really interesting um, services and support things around it. I mean, you, you know, you, you've you invited me a few times into the headquarters and the office, and there's really interesting things that are in there. Could you maybe share, I mean, I don't know what you're allowed to share, of, of things that kind of when you, when you had your time there that, that were really supportive to kind of a, a working environment, to productivity, and kind of the things that kind of were really of value to just kind of the culture there?
1: Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know I think you can you can read about a lot of the the cool sort of perks and and interesting things that Google provides and i seen you know, all sorts of anything from your nap pods, yoga know, classes, free lunch, and that, that's all amazing and I think people really get excited about that. But what struck me working at Google, and I think you know Google and some other of those Silicon Valley companies first adopted this mindset is they just have started to recognize that as an employee, you're also a human. And I think a lot of businesses, you know, for better or worse, mainly for worse, tend to treat employees as sort of cogs in the wheel and push them for more and more output. And, And they sometimes start to view people as expendable. And I think Google flipped the model on its head and said, okay, if we really wanted to cultivate great leaders, we actually need to cultivate better humans. And they, they allow a lot of flexibility and autonomy, which is, which is really nice. But I think that, that sort of mindset that is so important in, in the modern workplace in sort of the 21st century is more and more of us are working in this sort of knowledge economy. What we're being asked to do is creative and entrepreneurial. It's not going to work at the traditional nine to five at a factory where you show up and your output's the same we have to recognize that we're complex as humans. And if you're feeling, if you don't feel emotionally safe in a work environment, if you don't have psychological safety to say what you really think, to be who you are, things like creativity and entrepreneurship and innovation all suffer. And so I think it's easy to look at some of these companies and it's, you know, there's movies made about them. And uh, of course there's, it's not all, uh, not all unicorns and rainbows but i think what's the most interesting shift that the the most successful companies are taking into account is as humans we need to balance our our well-being and what is that it's, it's physical it's emotional it's our energetic level it's our meaning and purpose and only by investing in all these different areas are you going to get really great work out of people and you know to put it simply like we all know when we're feeling happy when we feel connected to those around us, when we feel supported, that's when good things come. Uh, and so I think we're seeing that mindset shift in business, which is, I think it's important, but it's we have a long way to go. Um, and I think it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think it, I mean it's very inspirational to hear how that culture is built around humans as opposed to uh, maybe just performance or output. And if we were taking that idea and kind of shift the lens towards kind of what's going on right now where the world is kind of now uh, staying home and people are uh, working from home. So there's obviously a lot of pressure that we see in our lives um, to be productive, um, maybe in, in self-isolation or kind of... Um, uh, unsupervised, and especially if you maybe work in a culture um, or, or, or a business that is still kind of being productive. You know, there's obviously a lot of people who maybe are are falling on on a bit more time or or harder moments, but there's also a lot of organizations and businesses and companies that are just as productive, if not more, but all the employees are obviously left to their own devices a little bit. I mean, what can you speak to that a little bit about kind of productivity and, and how we can kind of stay focused at home right now?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's an interesting and a really difficult time. And I, you know, for someone, I've I've been doing remote work uh, the last three or four years, spending a lot of time on the road. So I'm familiar, but even you know, this last month has been up and down for me. So I want to acknowledge that for for anybody listening, that we're not going to have ten out of ten perfect days every day, especially when there's so much trauma and grief and uh, a lot of things that are unexplained for us all. So. But I still think that this is a really interesting moment. I think one, one issue that companies are having to face is that people equate sort of presenteeism or just being seen as, as being productive. And when we're in the office, you know, people work long hours or they send a lot of emails, they're always available. And that is able to sort of mask sometimes the their actually effectiveness. And I think in this time, as people go home, many offices are just switching to exactly what they did in the office in a remote setting. So they're just having all of the same meetings, all of the same check-ins. They have Slack running in the background 24 seven. And it's a huge mistake. What we have in this moment is an opportunity to encourage and empower people to use the time as best as they see fit and to not worry so much about being available on Slack or whatever your team communication method is and actually to carve out time to do the work that really matters. And you know, there's been a lot of research in psychology the past 10 to 20 years about the feeling of doing deep work versus this feeling of that sort of shallow work. That deep work is what's, what's so important to us as humans, to be able to concentrate and to get into a state of flow and to really work on the things that energize and inspire us. And at home, there's little to get in the way of us doing that. We, we have our space, we have less time commuting back and forth. The challenge is sort of shifting our, our habits and our, our ways of being with our teams and starting to question some of those things is it really necessary that we have the same cadence of meetings is it really necessary we're all online all the time yeah, the answer is no and you just have to turn to some of those businesses that have been remote first for the last 5 or 10 years businesses like basecamp and buffer uh, and they'll tell you that it takes a it takes a mindset shift but i think ultimately productivity is very personal so What you most want to do, what you think is most going to be effective, it changes from job to job. So it's hard to give sort of the general rule of thumb. I just ask people, where are the areas that you really feel like you want to be spending your time? Where are those high value areas? People know those things. They're usually the things that they're scared to get started on. And then I say, all right, just rank right now where you spend your time. And when people look side by side, they go, I know I want to do these things, but I'm doing all of this. I know I want to do this creative project, but I spend all my time responding to emails. Then it's just a a conversation about, okay, how can you shift a little bit more time into the first bucket? And that's where I think having a a mindset that's more focused on small, you know, little and, and continuous improvement, if you, if you can't find 30 to 40 minutes a day to focus on that creative project just do 10 to 15 and keep that consistent and then slowly start to to ratchet that up and ultimately I think when you be, when you focus more on those things that matter most to you your output your effectiveness it starts to show and then people are less concerned with the presenteeism and showing up all the time so I think there's a lot of ways to look at this and you know it offers a really amazing opportunity I think if you're a great, employee or a great worker in the office. Uh, you can be a better worker at home, um, but it does take more self-management and more self-awareness and it's a skill. So you know be easy on yourself as you're transitioning. It's not, you're not going to master it in week one or week two, or maybe even the first month.
0: Sure. And and what would you say though? I mean, and I often find with, with conversations like this, that almost this idea that trust is a two-way street and uh, especially for people who are managing teams, or obviously people who are on a team. I mean, where's the line of, of trusting your team to be productive on their own time if they've never been accountable for that? Um, and and how do you know kind of the line of how much to macro versus micro uh, manage and be involved?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough question, and there's a lot of answers. I I always say err on the side of trust. People are really incredible when you allow them to be. And if you spend the time to make sure that the people you're working with know how they're being measured, what they're working on, that's something we do all the time at, or, or did at Google is, you know, you set those high level objectives and then however the the teammate, the employee is going to get there, that's up to him or her. And sometimes I think we're so used to having close control and monitoring our teams that we fail to actually spend time thinking about, okay, what does success really look like? Um, And doing that, actually taking a step back and saying, okay, this is, let's all agree that this is what we're after. And then encourage people because people, when they have autonomy, they become much more creative. They find new ways to do things. And if they know how they're going to be measured and where they're going, then the conversation is just, okay, you know, have we reached this goal? If not, can we, can we change? But I do, I do think trust in the early days of of remote work, it has to be built slowly. So maybe you have a few more check-ins than normal as you're getting started, or maybe you just have a five to 10 minute chat, you know, each day at the end of the day, and make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, and I, I think trust, trust does come over time, but the more, we err on the side of trust and the more autonomy we give people in my own experience, we're always surprised at the results that people bring us.
0: Yeah. And, and this idea of trust and then combining it with respect, you know, it's almost kind of the old adage of like you know, innocent until proven guilty. Give people the benefit of the doubt to be humans, to work in, in the right environment and have to the, have the best approach to it. Um, I've had different jobs in my life and have different kind of uh, work cultures. And, you know, the, the ones where you feel like you're a part of something or then your voice is heard and that you're valued. You obviously feel like you're, you know, you want to work, uh, you want to build and be a part of the team. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I've, I've had jobs before, um, you know, when I was a lot younger, where any time that you were sick or working from home, um, you know, the, you know, one of my bosses would would send a message go, you know, say I was, I was you know, was sick or someone was, someone else was sick, and they'd kind of call in and go, you know, what I'm not feeling great. They would say, send me a picture of you in bed right now, stick. Right. And, and it kind of, it kind of straight away just makes your brain go, well, you know, it's a bit like if, if you can't trust me to say I'm sick, then, you know, then you clearly don't trust any of the work I do. Yes. And
1: that's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough one because we're all in different scenarios and, and sometimes, you know, our, our boss, our manager, they, they don't have that trust and that sort of stuff uh, happens and I, hearts out to you. I've, I've had those scenarios and I think appro- approaching those conversations just, you know, honestly and openly and, and talking about those with your team is, is the only way through it is just to face those conversations. But I, I do agree. It's really, you know, put put trust in people and allow them to, to grow and flourish. You're, you're normally going to be surprised by it.
0: Yeah. And I especially think in this environment now, I mean, it's such a unique period where uh, business has been asked to pivot towards kind of remote models. People are working from home. People are trying to manage from home. So I think there's a lot to say about also making sure the conversations stay open. And while there's obviously in a lot of businesses a hierarchy of responsibility, there's also like an equality of humanity of like, you know, your, your bosses are still humans and they're still trying to figure it out. So the best thing you can do is say, maybe i appreciate that this is what we're doing but have we considered this and hopefully they can take the the feedback and and keep the conversation open
1: yes exactly and i think now is the time for for teams to really acknowledge uh again that we're human that we're all we're all struggling and you know google did some amazing research called project oxygen or project aristotle And they looked at what makes successful teams and they found psychological safety is really that base level Are Can you speak your mind? Are you safe to express your opinion? And what's so important is that as leaders, uh, we learn to express our vulnerability and at a time like this, when you can say, Hey, uh, you know, right now, it's been really hard for me. I'm struggling with this, you know, someone close to me is sick, that type of vulnerability and openness builds trust. And I just, uh, I was revisiting a tool that I absolutely love and have used throughout the years. And I was writing about it this week, which is one that anyone can use with their teams. It's super effective with, with remote work It's just called red, yellow, green. And simply you, when, you, when you have a conversation, it can be a one-to-one or a, or a call with your team, you just quickly go in the circle and people say, how are they, how are they right now? You know, Red is not good, super stressed or distracted. You know, green is feeling good. I'm inspired. I'm well rested and yellow somewhere in between and using some of those, using a tool like that to check in and see how people are doing helps to build connection, helps to build that vulnerability amongst a team. And I think we get in this habit of jumping onto these remote meetings and we just carry on business as usual, but how often do we take just a moment at the beginning to say, Hey, how's everyone doing? This is a tough time. I'm struggling with this. How is this? I'm doing well. You can really see huge improvements, not just in sort of trust, but also how teams communicate, how people, what's the general satisfaction with the culture by doing a simple exercise like like red, yellow, green. It takes just a minute. So I really encourage people to think about, you know, being open with how they feel and, and asking people yeah. sincerely.
0: I mean, so let let us put that into practice. I mean, where how are you feeling today, kind of on, on that system?
1: I'm I'm quite frankly a yellow. I, I, we're in London, so I guess that's stoplights or, or traffic lights are amber. But yeah, I uh, I have had a relatively good week, but I I woke up today and I just felt I just felt a little bit low on gas, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's it's somewhere kind of in between. So I feel like I'm gonna give myself uh, a pretty healthy break this afternoon to take a longer than normal afternoon walk and yeah, see how it goes. How are you feeling today, Michael?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if this breaks the rules, but I'd probably say I'm somewhere between yellow and and, and green. I mean, uh, well rested and had a you know had an enjoyable week of being both productive, but also a lot of time to. To, to calm down and kind of uh, not be too kind of um, output-driven. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's we're recording this on a Friday. And so it's, you know, it, it's nice. It, it feels like even though that every day is uniquely its own, you know, there still is this psychology at the weekends coming up and, and that there is this sense of, okay, now I can actually have some more enjoyable time. So thanks for asking. I, I'd probably say if I'm allowed to, it's that, that moment is the yellow turns to, to, I mean, the green turns to yellow. Know.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good
0: moment to be in. And thanks for yeah. sharing. So what I'd love to ask you, because you you've mentioned it a few times, and I think maybe just for the the, the course of this conversation and people listening to it, I mean, how do you really um, talk about or define mindset?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those words I think that obviously people can can take many different iterations on, and I when I personally think of mindset, it's sort of the our thoughts the thoughts and beliefs that we choose to live, uh, with as defaults. And what I love about your mindset is it fits squarely into a personal belief of mine, which is that we have to control what we can control and just allow everything else to fade away. And of course. When it comes to mindset, I think people like, well, you know, sometimes I feel sad, and you know, I've or I'm, I'm feeling anxious, and you have these emotional things, and I think you can, you can feel whatever you're feeling, and still use your mindset, use those those thought patterns to, to look at that in a different way, and, I, one of my favorite quotes that comes from my, my dad. I don't know who he who he took it from, and I, I hated it as I was growing up, because it was always, always used to get us in line. As he said, always attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. We'd be angry having to, you know, turn off the TV and come upstairs to have dinner with the neighbors. And he was say, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. And only later in life that I realized it's true. You know, we, we can stop when we get into negative thought patterns and we can choose to just for a moment, just to think, how can I look at this differently? And I think that's to me, what, what mindset's all about. And, you know, you don't have to be relentlessly optimistic and positive. I I think it's important, but just recognizing there are other perspectives and we can, we can choose to, uh, think of things in a, in a, in a brighter and and lighter Mm -hmm. way. So I think it's quite important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, and I'm very similar into that, that perspective is that, you know, we, we a lot of times can't control the experiences that we have. We can't control the situations that, that come about, but we can control our attitude and our actions and the choices that we make from it. Um, so I definitely think that your dad was onto something all those years ago. I mean, you talk about a lot in your work as well, this idea of performance mindset. And so how does that layer on top of this kind of approach to, to attitude? yeah I
1: like I like the word performance when I when I talk about how to work more effectively and how to live better because I think what we the alternative I see often is is productivity and I think that that lends us lends itself to a it's it's very much about how much more can you fit into a day you know what how does Oprah what's her morning routine what does Bill Gates do every year and it Kind of gives us this hustle more, you know, do more uh, mentality, and it I think can be toxic. You know, I think it puts unrealistic expectations on us. And so, when I think about performance, I I tend to use you know this sort of analogy of of an athlete, and you know if you're Steph Curry and approaching a season, you know you know that you're not doing everything you can just to perform or to be really productive in one game and to score as many baskets and make, you know, as many rebounds, you're thinking about it in a longer term standpoint you're thinking about performance. I think it lends itself to more of a continual improvement, getting better by the day and, and, you know, taking the longer term view. So I think we can certainly push ourselves. Humans are incredible in our bodies and our minds they can withstand a lot, and so you can certainly push, push, push really, really hard for a limited amount of time, but you're gonna run into a wall. And I think that's the, the trap of productivity. Whereas when I think about performance, I think you know my mindset is is always really just if you can just do get one percent better every day, one percent better every day, then over time those gains accumulate. You get these exponential growth over time. And I also just think, if we allow ourselves that small continuous improvement, it just takes some of the the pressure off. And so that's sort of my mindset is you know not trying to be perfect, not trying to crush a day, but you know waking up and, th- and just thinking, okay, how can I how can I make today a little bit better? What are the practices that I could employ? You know maybe reflecting on what went well or didn't go well the day before, but not worrying about it too much. And so yeah, that's kind of how I think about performance, just a little bit more long-term, thinking about how we can balance, you know, all this work hard with, with, with resting very hard and, and taking a slow, gradual and continual uh, improvement mindset is, is key to that. I think it's what works for a sustained, sustained effectiveness over time.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a really nice way to look at it. I mean, for a lot of people though, as well, especially if you're working at home and you're kind of obviously by yourself or in in smaller close quarters, it can easy to let yourself spiral into a place of negativity, uh, as in I'm not doing enough, or even though, uh, I'm still, it feels like, you know, I'm doing my work, but it feels like nothing's moving forward. I mean, if you are that type of person working and you kind of have that sense of kind of, Oh, I'm just not getting anything done or not, not, not performing that way. Or the other way you are a, a manager or a boss and you have those people on your teams. I mean, what, what type of insights can we can we share with those people who um, are more leaning towards negative um, kind of mindset right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have those days too, you know, when you fall into the trap of you're just going an inch in a million different directions, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. I go back to the basics. Uh, what's so important is just to do one thing at a time. A huge enemy of our, our overall sort of mental health when it comes to work is, is too much multitasking. And it's so easy on a computer at home to flip between the project you should be working on and checking your email and looking at your phone. So I really say as best you can just to practice single tasking and just, just try it for a little bit and you can use tools. I, I use tools because I'm not good enough to protect my, <laughs> my worst uh, inclinations to check the news every 20 minutes. I use an app called freedom freedom. You can block out all sorts of distracting apps or websites on your phone or your laptop. That allows me just to do one thing at a time. The, second thing I really encourage people to do is to just set a timer. And this sounds pretty basic, but set a timer for 20 to 30 minutes. If you're in a groove, it could be 60 or 90, no longer than 90. And allow yourself to just focus on that one thing you really want to work on for a set amount of time. And when that time's up, take a good break. Get away from your computer, do what you can step on your balcony, you know, have a stretch where oftentimes we get caught in that, that phase when we're like, I don't know if I'm doing anything important. We're actually really tired mentally because we haven't taken a break. And we just forget to do that because it doesn't physically feel tired to be at your computer all day, but your brain is getting very tired. So I say focus on one thing at a time, give yourself a break after you've, uh, after you've worked on that thing. And the, the last thing I, I really encourage, it's a practice called the highlight. And the highlight is the one most important thing you want to work on in a day. And this is a practice I, I've I borrowed from my friends at Make Time. Uh, it's a, a blog and they've written a book on this, this practice. Uh, and it's just simply reorienting your attention to just the thing that you think is most important during that day and it feels so good to just have one thing, just one thing that matters the most to you to that day. So that once you've checked that off, once you've spent the time doing that, it gives you this feeling of satisfaction and relief. And it actually powers your motivation to do the next thing, but it also is just enough. It's like, if you have, if you've done the highlight, it is enough. So I really encourage people to check that out. A highlight is simply the most important thing you want to do that day. It doesn't have to be a work thing. It can be something for yourself. And make it something you can do around 60 to 90 minutes. And once you're done with that, it gives you a really nice feeling. Of course, you're going to do other work throughout the day, but every day I use the highlight and it just allows me to look back even after a hectic day and go, okay, did I work on what's important today? Yes. Got the highlight done. Even if the rest of the day was a total war zone, it still feels really good.
0: Right. What type of highlights have you had this week?
1: Well, today my highlight... Uh, I should say this podcast, but I, to be honest, my highlight is I'm, uh, I'm going on a bike ride, uh, with my girlfriend. We, we've been walking like everybody else and, and we've had a, a pretty long work days. And so I'm really focusing on getting a few things done. I need to, so that around three o'clock, we're going to go out and, and, and spend an hour on the bikes. Um, that's really important to me. Yes. Yesterday, uh, my highlight was clicking send on my my newsletter. You know, I'd written it and 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 done all that, but I still all the I always leave that editing and revision and spell checking to the last minute. So I my highlight yesterday was click send on the newsletter, and I took an hour in the morning to get it all done. And what's really important is it. You don't. You can't complete your really big projects in one highlight. What we tend to do is. We have on one side, we have a to-do list and to-do lists are, for me, a trap. And you just, they're endless. You know how it goes, Michael. You just have to-do list after to-do list. You have one on your laptop, one on your phone, one on paper, and you just, you check off all the tasks, but sometimes you just feel like, did I really get any, did I make any progress? I've just done so many small things. And the other side of the to-do list are your goals and there's many brighter and smarter people than me that have written about how do you set big goals for yourself? What's your vision? You know, do you want to launch your own podcast or write your own book? But sometimes goals are a little too abstract. It's like, how do I really get started on that? And the tasks are too small and and checking all them off doesn't feel good. And so the highlight sits in that that middle space. It's in between a task and a goal. It's enough that we can you know, bite it off and chew in a day Eh, eh, enough that when we, when we're finished with it, it feels good, but it doesn't require some heroic amount of work or some heroic effort. So my highlights, my highlights vary. So sometimes it's the most urgent thing I need to do the day. Sometimes it's something that will just give me a lot of joy. And sometimes it's just, what would I really feel good having accomplished? And uh, it varies day to day.
0: Yeah, no, I really like that. And I mean, and and you and I have talked about this before. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of of to do lists. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of thing. There's a lot to say with this whole idea about highlights of being almost intuitive with it. And, you know, this, this this sense that I know for me as well, a lot, I mean, I don't write lists out of things I need to do. And likewise, I don't kind of make big grand uh, plans of what I need to get to. But I kind of, you know, especially on, on days when I wake up, you kind of have those things you wake up and you just have your mind pulling you towards things or, you know, those first kind of little hints of things that are going to stress you out. And, you know, some days it's literally like, oh, I need to do to, to write this thing. Other days it's I need to build this bookshelf For today it's like I just really need to get outside and a lot of times it feels almost like it's the intuition of you know of your brain and your body working together saying you know what I think this is something that's gonna be important and what I love hearing about it from you is is almost taking that intuition and then um, not just intellectualizing it by putting it in a priority kind of um, place in your day but also allowing that to form the wisdom of how you are productive or how you perform um, kind of throughout the day
1: yeah and i it's exactly right that the intuition i think it it's so important and some days it's just you take a day you're like i just want to do something that's going to feel really good for me today and that can be your highlight and some days you gotta you gotta face down those things that you know you, you've been wanting to work on for a few days or a few weeks or even a few months and you go oh it's getting it's kind of building up in your head and yeah, there's that sort of mark twain quote i if he ever said it we'll never know but it was you know the first thing you do every day is is eat, eat a frog and then everything else of the day becomes a bit easier so sometimes the highlight is that you you know there's there's that piece of work that is you're you're a little bit afraid of starting because you're like oh it's so much i don't really want to get going on it and the highlight allows us to to do just a little bit of it um and and then the next day you wake up and you choose something uh you choose something different but teams always ask me that they go how can i plan out my highlights for the month i say it's (laughs) just take it day by day and you know the night before or the morning of it's it's plenty of time to figure out what Mm. what's calling to you and it's really effective to to let your gut guide you
0: yeah it's almost like trying to plan out your lunch it's a bit like if you try to plan out your lunch for a month. It's, it, it almost feels like quite an effort where if you kind of just go what do I feel like tomorrow or at least this week, maybe it's a bit more manageable and actually a bit more inspiring. Just Breathe is an organization focused on real-world connections in person, online and in mass. We create shared experiences, which bring people together and celebrate the power of doing less in a more meaningful way. Take a moment to download the Just Breathe app, our simple and easy-to-use app with guided meditations and soundtracks, created and recorded specially to calm the mind and ease the body. We've literally put the power of mindfulness in the palm of your hand, and even more, it's free. So download the app now, on all iPhone and Android devices. And for more information about our growing conversation, visit us at justbreatheproject.com where you'll find more about our other podcasts, video content, and amazing opportunities to connect. And follow along on Instagram at justbreathe. You spoke a little bit earlier about, um, you know, the, this this sense that, you know, there's a lot of uh, maybe similar approaches or different approaches that that could be made if you are a small business or you are self-employed or if you're um, working in a small team. Now, now naturally, um, bigger organizations or bigger businesses may have different infrastructures or support or resources right now there's a lot of people who have been moved indoors who are effectively teams of one or teams of two three or four and obviously they have to not only reinvent the way they're working they have to pivot a lot of their businesses um, maybe I mean do, do you have any insights on, on how this could maintain a sense of positive productivity right now?
1: Yeah and you know I'm one of those one of those people and you know most of what my work has been is in person, workshops with businesses and, and face to face because I think that's where you know having these discussions is so powerful and I'm I am as well you know figuring out how to do this online and how to make it more applicable to the reality of companies today and again going back to the basics I think one of the things that is is we forget about when it comes to work goes back to the earlier part of our conversation that remembering, We are humans and as humans, it's important to remember we evolved as very social creatures. You know, we grew up uh, for, for tens of thousands of years in tribes. We really rely on other people. So if you're solo or it's one, two, three people in the team, I think it's really important to remember the value of connecting with other people. And I know many startups and, and many small businesses used to get that. Maybe they worked in a co-working space, or they went to other events with other small businesses, and now they're at home and it feels isolating. And so I I encourage them. It, it can do wonders for your productivity to actually make time, you know, a couple times a week, or maybe it's every day, to check in with you know a fellow small business owner, fellow entrepreneur or a friend you know don't just leave them a a a like on their instagram post but but ring them up and or set some time i right now i just have an hour every day that i've i've let friends know, know just give me a ring give me a call and it's kind of like a little office hours having that to recharge you to give you that social connection it it comes back tenfold when it comes to being productive in the business and i think I just remind the smaller teams out there because it just tends to feel more isolated and a little bit more lonely when you're doing your thing all by yourself And if you're at a big company when you have a big team. So don't discount the value of, of human connection and you know, pick up the phone. And, and uh, I think it's a really important practice for us all right now.
0: Great. And, and where, where do you fall along the lines of uh, routine right now?
1: Yeah, it's uh I I think having sort of a scaffolding, which is maybe not as specific as a routine, but a general framework for how you might like to spend your days, uh, is it benefits me personally and I think it's helpful to most. And it's a we're all just reinventing our routines day in and and day out. And I I have found the last two weeks uh, a slightly more, uh, effective and, and sustainable routine for me is it's, it's simple, right? You know, I, I, first things when I'm, when I'm waking up, I, I always have a little bit of time for quiet. That's a bit of meditation or just some breathing. Sometimes I go for a walk in those early hours we, you know, as humans, we, we really do need that quiet. And when we're online more and more during the days, so it's so important I always, I think a little bit of movement. My routine is a few few hours of work. And then at around 10 AM, uh, my partner and I do a bit of movement. We do a hit class, we do some yoga, not, not trying to be heroes, not doing an hour and a half every day, but 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's super nice. And another thing is eating without screens. And especially if you're at home, you don't have a flatmate or a partner. I really encourage just taking at least a meal a day that you can just enjoy the act of eating. It's, it's a easy trap at home to just have lunch while checking email or looking, reading news on the phone, but it's not good for our brains. And, uh, that's, that's a really important part of my routine. And, and the last part is sort of, you know, just chat with people on the phone. And I usually do that on my evening walk and routines are great. I think they give us a bit of scaffolding and it's just an experimentation with what works for you, what doesn't, um, not being afraid to throw something out. If it's not, if it's not fitting your schedule and thinking of it as a game, you know, we're just trying to, okay, how does this work? You know, not getting too hung up if you have a bad day, but you're just, okay, how does this work? Or maybe I'll try waking up really early and going for a run or uh, maybe a run is better for me after the day's over. Um, just reflecting and, and just you know playing with it, seeing how it works.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really, a really nice way to look at it, just sense of this, this daily uh, discovery and kind of building on it with kind of little small incremental insights. Let, let's talk a little bit about the other side of you, um, the the meditation teacher. I know you work with a lot of mindfulness programs in the past within Google and other trainings. I mean, where, where do we find the intersection between... The work that you do now, uh, between let's say, um, I guess, performance mindset work, uh, productivity, and how mindfulness and meditation and other quieter practices have either influenced that or been celebrated because of that, or kind of where where the where the intersection lies, and and I guess the the value that you find by putting those two worlds together.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I think there's sort of two broad. Areas that when I think about it, so the first that I think people tend to understand quicker and easier is just our, our attention is, is under attack (laughs) and it, we're finding ourselves more easily distracted than ever before. And a large result of that is technology coming from the technology industry. I recognize the benefits, but there, there is more distraction available to us at all times and as a result our attention our ability to focus and concentrate it, it's 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 struggle it's a struggle for most people so i think you know practicing mindfulness becoming more aware of your thoughts actually improving your ability to sustain focus and concentration it has a real direct impact on the way in which you work because it allows you to Become more aware of what's distracting you. It allows you to focus a bit longer, concentrate more on uh, those big projects that are are going to set you apart, get you out of doing the little things. So I think you people realize that you know it's the statistics. They vary, but you know last year in the U.S. they found the average you know American spends two hours a day uh, social media on their phone, including messaging services. The average American watches between three to four hours of television a day. So you're six hours or so a day of, of most, most distraction. I think everyone's watching national geographic documentaries on TV every night. So I think you combine that amount of time and then you see what people are struggling with at work and they feel overworked and they feel anxious. So I think mindfulness can give us, uh, it, it can be used as a tool. It can, you can use it to strengthen your brain and strengthen your focus and attention and, Um, Reorient your attention when you get distracted. So that's one part that I think people think, okay, that's helpful. The other is that, you know, for me, I really believe in the power of of meditation and introspection to bring us to a greater state of self-awareness. And self-awareness is really just knowing your own strengths, your weaknesses, your internal resources, how you feel, And it turns out that the more you know how you're feeling, how you're doing, the more you can relate and be more empathetic to others. And self-awareness is that first foundational step to having a higher degree of emotional intelligence. And why is that so important? I think because we're seeing that there's a crisis of leadership in, in our world today. I think you look at, you know, political leaders, business leaders, and you see some of the decisions that we've made collectively. You see the impact they have on people, on the environment, um, You know, toxic workplace cultures. I think a lot of that is a problem with leadership. And where I think mindfulness plays a role is it helps us develop more self-aware leaders, people that look to more than their own selfish gain. And they, rec- they recognize that how their, their actions impact others is very important. And so part of that is really influenced from my, my teaching through Search Inside Yourself, which is a, an emotional intelligence and mindfulness and neuroscience program that was born out of Google. Um, and it, it uses this sort of this framework. And I think that that connection is, is really important. And the, the more we become self-aware, the better we're able to sort of manage ourselves and we, as a result, create healthier relationships with those people around us. If we create healthier relationships, our organizations become healthier. And you start to see society as a whole doing things that are good for humans, that improve our health, our happiness, our well-being, instead of going in the other direction. So uh, I think there's there's many different reasons. Um, and I think we can all find our own personal reason why I practice like Uh, meditation and mindfulness can can benefit you. But those are two that stand out for me and where I I really think that they bring value to sort of business in the workplace.
0: I think that's a great way. Um, Thank you for sharing that. I I think it's really nice to hear perspective in the business world that has self-awareness at the heart of it. And I think uh, I, I would be one to very much agree the, the need for this sense of self-awareness as a way to continually build uh, our own sense of performance or productivity or our, our kind of our business um, kind of acumen during this time. For those people listening at home right now, and obviously this is quite a topical um, podcast of the moment, reflective on kind of the current state of the world. I mean, for, for you, Connor, merging those kind of worlds together and maybe looking at uh, an output that that can be supportive for people at home right now. I mean, what kind of things or or what what thing uh, uh, can can people do to really sustain, establish, or elevate this sense of um, performance mindset and productivity at home right now, considering all the conditions and all the circumstances that are going on?
1: Yeah. It... You know, I think there's, there are a lot of, a lot of things and I've, I've been listening to, to some of the earlier episodes of the podcast and, and appreciating that, you know, there's going to be a different practice and a different, you know, flavor that, that suits each of the listeners. So I just encourage people to, you know, find the thing that they like, try it out, you know, try what the other speakers and, and guests and are saying and, if you like it, keep it. If you don't, let it go. I think it's so important to remember that it's all very personal. You know, I think there are plenty of, of, of great uh, resources out there to tell you how to be really effective when you work remote and how to organize your day. I, I think I would step a little bit outside that box and, and encourage people to go first when it comes to connecting with people around you. This is a tough time and there's a lot of people probably close to you in your life that are lonelier or could could use some connection and and be the first person to to reach out to give someone a call when you're on your walk and just say hey how are you doing how are things i just want to talk or send a, a an email to somebody that has made an impact on you and just give them a gratitude note i think now is the time for us to to really take responsibility for each other and not to wait for that phone to ring or just someone to check in with how you're doing but to take that mindset of of control what you can control and i just love this mantra of 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 go first and to remind ourselves to be the first one to say hi how are you how are you feeling right now what's going on and doing that and maintaining those social connections it's gonna make you happier healthier it's gonna feel good and it's all gonna directly impact believe it or not your work um so yeah simply uh i hope after listening to this you can just think of one person to give a quick call check in and uh go first and all those all those interactions
0: love that I think it's a really nice way to take the complexity of the uncertainty that's going on right now and bring it back to a place of just simple human connections, being a proactive person, uh, connecting with other people, whether it's about just life or work. And I think that, as you said, will fall very, uh, beneficially across all lines of the things that we're doing from home right now. So thank you for sharing that. I know that's going to help a lot of people who are listening to just shift a little bit of, of wisdom back towards, uh, um, you know, as you say, like a 1% incremental uh, incremental uh, thing that we can do every day. Now the, the question I tend to, to, to ask everyone as we wind through the, the conversation is, you know, obviously we are in this very rare and unique moment uh, in time. And while there's a lot of things that we're looking at in the short term, how to work from home, how to you know keep healthy, how to kind of reset our, our routines, there is an element of uh, longer-term value or hopefully longer-term benefit. What I've been talking about a lot is this idea of really building strong short-term plans but long-term insights, and seeing that almost as like, um, you know, what silver linings that we're gonna take from this time that hopefully will stay with us in the future in your mind, what type of, uh, of positives are going to come out of this for the world? What kind of positives are we going to find for maybe the way that we work or working culture? I mean, what what are, in your mind, something that is going to be quite, hopefully, hugely beneficial uh, in, in, in greater context?
1: Yes. What what good will come of this? Uh, I think it's a question a lot of people are, are asking themselves. And, you know, I think... It remains to be seen, but I do think that we're just going to remember to really express appreciation more consistently for all the things that we have. And there's a growing body of people that you know, are practicing gratitude. Gratitude journals sell online, and it's a beautiful practice. Uh, and I did a meditation earlier this week that was was grounded in that idea of just thanking everybody that allows your life to to exist and you know, thanking the people that built the home that you're in you know thanking the people that brought the food from the farm to your table you know thanking the drivers of the buses and the tubes, thanking the, the healthcare workers I think, that, that for many people, Oh yeah, I know I'm grateful, etc. But this is, this is that time when we think, wow, we do live in this extraordinary world. We are reliant on so many people, right. To get our groceries, to take us around. And I really hope that this, um, propels us into a new era when we actually stop and reflect on the importance of other people in our lives. We recognize that the clothes that we wear, you know, the hot shower we take, it all relies on other living, breathing human beings. So I just hope gratitude and appreciation becomes much more tangible uh, in our lives as we, as we live in, with some of this scarcity and this disruption. And I think it'll, it can only serve to benefit us all to express that appreciation and, and to go first and to say thank you to those people that help us day in and day out for the big and the small.
0: Amazing. And I, and I think that is such a, a powerful thing that we can take away from this. So thanks, Connor. Um, you know, this conversation, as always, I mean, all the conversations that you and I have, not just here, but kind of in, in, in life are always uh, interesting, inspiring. Um, so I wanted to thank you for uh, donating some of your time to come on and to share on the podcast. Um, and so for those of you guys who are listening at home? Who want to find out a bit more about the work that Connor does, or even get in touch with Connor who, if you need that type of support or you want to chat more? Um, you know, he has his weekly newsletter, One Percent Wisdom, which comes out, I believe, every Thursday, where there's um, simple, sustainable tactics and strategies that you can use to develop your mind and better your work. And as well, there's lots of details on his website, connorswenson.com, as well as you can find the details about the newsletter and sign up there. He's got his Twitter feed at at C.R. Uh, C-R-S-W-E-N-N-Y, as well as like any good, um, you know, uh, business mindset coach. You can find him on LinkedIn as well. Connor, uh, last words from you. And is there anything else you want to share anywhere else that they can find you or, or connect with you?
1: No, that's uh, that's a wonderful summary. And yeah, if you are, if anything here connects with you and you want to reach out and chat, now is the time. All those you can find my direct email on my website, or or reach out on any of those social channels. I'm so happy to to hear from like-minded people to talk about any of these ideas more. And yeah, just uh, take care of yourselves and and go easy. We're all gonna have good days and bad days uh, in this in this time. And uh, yeah, know you're not alone in, in that. So thanks for the time. Michael, and for bringing us together on this conversation, it was uh, it was inspiring for me.
0: Thank you so much, and and as always, you know, Connor is a uh, a key part of our Just Breathe community. He is one of our, our community leaders here in London, and does a huge amount of work supporting uh, this mission of bringing mindfulness into the real world. Not only with our community, but in the work and the communities that he works within himself. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening to this episode. I'm your host, Michael James Wong. You can follow along me and my story and the things going on uh, on Instagram at Michael James Wong. But please also follow along at Just Breathe on Instagram, as well as check out the website for lots more things, inspiring educational elements that we can really kind of uh, celebrate this message of mindfulness. And that's www.justbreatheproject.com. And likewise, with this podcast, as you know, we are doing our best to get the word out and we are doing our best to to support. So if this connects to you, if this makes sense, please go ahead and drop on to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, like, and review. All of that only helps to get the word out and to keep this conversation going. So thanks for listening in again. And this is The Quiet Life.